if you pull out your Bibles. That was Mark chapter 8, verse 11 to 13. The Pharisees came and began to argue with him, seeking from him a sign from heaven to test him. And he sighed deeply in his spirit and said, Why does this generation seek a sign? Truly I say to you, no sign will be given to this generation. And he left them, got into the boat again, and went to the other side. Good evening, everyone. How are we going tonight? Cool, cool. Let me pray. Uh, Dear God, thank you for tonight. Uh, And I just pray right now that my words will be your words uh, and that your Holy Spirit will move powerfully here tonight. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. I was going to actually start with a question, but I'm thinking I'll actually ask the reverse question. Put your hand up if you've never seen an infomercial. An infomercial. You don't know what I'm talking about? Oh, really? <laughs> Never seen an infomercial? Oh, okay. I didn't think that would happen. Um, infomercials are like shows that you watch and they're trying to sell you something over and over and over and over again. And they're normally really bad. Sort of, yes. Yeah, sort of. If you can't sleep and you're like up at 3am, then that's all there's on. I actually stumbled across an infomercial that we're going to watch now. Enjoy. Introducing Extreme Cleaner, television's most popular, hottest-selling new product. I wore my Snuggly to work, and I got grease all over it. But Extreme Cleaner took the grease right out. Help! I've fallen, and I can't get clean! Extreme Cleaner to the rescue. Extreme Cleaner. Looks like pretty good stuff. Hey, let's try it on this old car. stuff really works! I heard about how good Extreme Cleaner works, so I decided to use it on my messy bedroom. Wow! Thank you, Extreme Cleaner! As president of Clean Hair Club, I figured we'd try the product to see how well it would clean. But I was so impressed with the side effects, I bought the company. I've had these UV blocker sunglasses since I ordered them off TV back in 87. And thanks to Extreme Cleaner, they look brand new again. At last, an environmentally safe cleaner that actually works. Order today and have peace of mind knowing this powerful non-toxic formula works great for cleaning snugglies, bedrooms, balding heads, grandpa's sweatsuit, and even old sunglasses. Order today and get two whole bottles for only 1987. Great year, man. That's right, two whole bottles for only $19.87. But wait, of course there's more. Order today and receive free bubble wrap and styrofoam peanuts with your order. A 17 cent value, absolutely free. So switch to Extreme Cleaner and join the green revolution today. Go green when you clean with Extreme Cleaner. Just call the toll-free number to order. Or purchase online at ExtremeCleaner.com. Call today, you'll love the side effects. Operators are standing... And lying by extreme. Cluck, 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 cleaner. 
I went to the website. That is a legitimate company. Seriously, that is their ad. You can go there and you can buy the two bottles for 1987 and they're like part of some green sort of initiative. Yes, I too was blown away, only in America. Like, seriously, it had a list of all of the places you could go to to buy the stuff. Anyway, the, yeah, I was still, I can't believe that that's actually their legitimate ad. With that in mind now with infomercials, and now that you know what they are, one of the things that you see in every single infomercial is that they show how the product actually works. And they legitimately did show you, like, not the car changing, but, like, on the car wheel and then um, cleaning out the oven and stuff like that. Every infomercial has an actual demonstration of what's going on. Like, use this oven cleaner and you can clean your oven in one swipe. Use this ab machine and you'll have awesome abs tomorrow. Use this knife and you can cut through metal because it's handy when you want extra iron in your meal. Like, there's... In every infomercial, there's always the demonstration of what's going on. And the reason for that is, well, the thinking behind it is that if you see the product in action, then you'll be blown away by it and go, how did I live my life without this insert product here? And you'll quickly rush the phone and ring up before the special offer runs out. So essentially with infomercials, seeing is believing. In the Bible, however works a little bit differently in that in uh, Hebrews chapter 1 verse 11 it says now faith is the assurance of things hoped for the conviction of things not seen so with faith when we put our faith in something according to what the bible says we're actually putting our faith in something that we cannot see sometimes however I think that we come to God with an infomercial type faith whereby we actually want to see God do something first, and after he's done that, then we'll believe. Does that make sense? So sometimes we come with an infomercial understanding of faith where we want to see God do some stuff, and then after he's done it, then we'll go, oh, okay, now I'll believe in you. So it could be that you find yourself in a situation, uh, and you pray to God, say, look, God, if you help me out of this situation, then I promise that I'll follow you properly this time. Or maybe you're not sure if you believe in God, uh, and... You know, you sort of throw out one of those prayers, oh God, if you just like reveal yourself to me in some special way, then I'll know you're real. Uh, or maybe God's asking you to do something and you go, oh, look, I don't want to really step out in faith, but if you give me some sort of sign, then, you know, then I'll do what you want, want me to do. I have to confess that there's been times when I've had a, an infomercial type faith. I remember when I was, oh, I would have been late teens, I was sort of really questioning the whole, you know, is God real? Should I follow him? Uh, at that stage, I was coming to the church here and someone got really sick and they asked everybody to pray for this person. And I prayed for this person, but my prayer was more about me than about the person who was sick. Uh, essentially, my prayer was, look, God, you know, obviously I want this person to get better, but, you know, I want you to heal this person to show me that you're real. And if you do that, then I'll follow you. I think sometimes we can come to God with, with this, you know, we want to see God first work and then we'll believe sort of faith. And this is where we find ourselves in tonight's passage. Uh, so please keep your Bibles open to Mark chapter 8. The passage actually begins in the previous verse where Jesus jumps in a boat with his disciples and they go across the Sea of Galilee to a place called Dalmanutha. I said that confidently. Uh, and when they arrive... 
some Pharisees show up in verse 11, and it says, The Pharisees came and began to argue with him, seeking from him a sign from heaven to test him. So the Pharisees show up asking that Jesus would show them a sign that they could, so that Jesus could prove that his authority came from God, that he was who he said he was. This is not sort of like an out-of-the-ordinary thing. There are times throughout the Old Testament where it says that prophets would come and that they would show a sign uh, to prove that their message came from God. In Deuteronomy, it sort of says, though, that you know, if the prophet does a sign and then they go off and say, you should follow other gods, then obviously not a prophet. So there was some warnings. Uh, but these guys come out and pretty much argue with Jesus and say, you know, show us a sign to prove who you are. So this is in Mark chapter 8. I actually then went back and did a quick survey of all the things so far throughout the Gospel of Mark to see if there was anything that could sort of, you know, be considered a sign. I had to write them down because there was like, well, I would say a lot. Mark chapter 1. Jesus heals a man with an unclean spirit. Jesus heals many more people. Jesus cleanses a leper. Chapter 2. Jesus heals a paralytic. Chapter 3. Jesus heals a man with a withered hand. Chapter 4. Jesus calms a storm. Pretty good sign. Chapter 5. Heals a man with a, Jesus heals a man with a demon. Jesus heals the woman that had the bleeding condition for 12 years. Jesus raises Jairus' daughter from the dead. Mark chapter 6. Jesus feeds 5,000 men, plus women and children. Jesus walks on water. Jesus heals more sick people. Mark chapter 7. Jesus heals a deaf man. Mark chapter 8. Jesus feeds another 4,000 people. It's hard for me not to see that list and go, Pharisees, what's going on? Surely you can see, you know... There's some pretty good signs that Jesus has already shown where he gets his authority from, and Jesus already proved through his actions uh, that you know he can verify that he is the Son of God. In true infomercial uh, things, though, but wait, there's more. If you read in Luke uh, chapter seven, John the Baptist sent his disciples to come and see uh, Jesus, and says the following. The disciples of John reported all these things to him, and John, calling two of his disciples to him, sent them to the Lord, saying, Are you the one who is to come, or shall we look for another? And when the men had come to him, being Jesus, they said, John the Baptist has sent us to you, saying, Are you the one who is to come, or shall we look for another? In that hour he, being Jesus, healed many people of diseases and plagues and evil spirits, and on many who were blind he bestowed sight. And he answered them, Go and tell John what you have seen and heard. The blind receive their sight, the lame walk, lepers are cleansed, and the deaf hear, the dead are raised up, the poor have good news preached to them, and blessed is the one who is not offended by me. So Jesus himself lists a whole pile of things that he has already done that reflects back to some passages in Isaiah about who the chosen one will be, to say, you know, here are the signs, all of this stuff back up where I get my authority from and who I'm saying that I am. But wait, there's more. This passage in Mark happens after Jesus does a mass feeding. We lose to some degree the significance of these mass feedings in Mark, but it's plain to see them in the Gospel of John. So in John chapter 6... Jesus 
feeds the 5,000. And at the conclusion of that, John 6.14, when the people saw the sign that he had done, they said, this is indeed the prophet who is to come into the world. So Jesus feeds all these people and everyone goes, oh, he's the dude. Jesus, knowing what they were going to do, then sticks his disciples in a boat, sends them out, he withdraws. Later on that night, he then walks across the water and reveals himself to the disciples. The next day, everyone wakes up. It's like, where's Jesus gone? Let's go and find him. And so they wander around and they find him on the other side of the lake and go, Jesus, how did, how did you get here? Conversation then goes, Jesus sort of sees right through their question. From verse 26, it says, Jesus answered them, Truly, truly, I say to you, you are seeking me, not because you saw signs, but because you ate your fill of the loaves. Do not work for the food that perishes, but for the food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give to you. For on him God the Father has set his seal. Then they said to him, what must we do to be doing the works of God? Jesus answered them, this is the work of God, that you believe in him who he has sent. So they said to him, then what sign do you do that we may see and believe you? What work do you perform? Our fathers ate the manna in the wilderness, as it is written. He gave them bread from heaven to eat. Now we're going to stop there for a second. Guys, what's with the signs? Like 10 verses ago, you were going, oh, look at this awesome sign. You know, this guy's the prophet. And now you're asking for another sign and you're referencing the whole what's the deal with the manna stuff. Now, this is actually quite a significant thing. In Jewish religion, if I can call it that, Moses is considered like the greatest of all prophets. The greatest of all prophets because he was the one who rescued the people um, from slavery in Egypt. He was the one who God spoke to in the, uh, the burning bush. He was the one who received the Ten Commandments. He was the one who fed the Israelite people with manna for 40 years. So these guys at the time were sort of reflecting upon the whole, you know, we think Moses is awesome. Uh, Moses fed the Israelite nation for 40 years with manna from heaven. You've fed us one time with bread from earth. Seems like you're implying here that you think you're greater than Moses. That's a big call. You're going to have to back that up. Now Jesus then says, well, hang on a second. Moses didn't actually give you the bread. It was from God. He gave you the bread. And then he, the conversation goes on and he says, um, you know, you need to go for bread that's not going to perish. You need to go for eternal bread. And they're like, well, where do we get this from? And then Jesus says, verse 35, Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. At the time... This was a massive, massive statement that Jesus was making. In this statement, he was saying, you think Moses is awesome. I am greater than Moses because I am. So the I am, the bread of life, that, those two words, I am, are crucial in this sentence because it's Jesus putting the title of God onto himself. I am was the name that God called himself to Moses in the burning bush. And so by Jesus saying, I am the bread of life, he is taking that title for God and putting it on himself and saying, I am, I am God. Come to me. I'm the bread of life. I'm way better than Moses because I am God's son. Massive, massive statement. 
So, so far we've seen from all of the signs in Mark, we've seen reference in Luke to Jesus, all the things that he's done. We see the sign here in John chapter 6 of Jesus feeding everyone and then claiming that he is God. It's, I think it's easy for us then to just look at these Pharisees and go, guys, what are you doing? Like, can you not see all of this? But I think that sometimes we fail to see that we can be like these Pharisees in that we still, despite what we, everything that we've seen and we know, can still come to God and expect that we want to see signs before we truly, truly have faith in him. And we live after the cross. So we know that Jesus has died. We know that Jesus died to pay for our sins. We know that despite that, Jesus was raised back to life to show us that he was God. That we can read all of that in the New Testament that the Pharisees and the people of that time did not have. So despite all this extra stuff that we have, we can still be like these Pharisees and come and say, God, we want a sign. Show us a sign. You know, I'm in this situation. Give me a sign so that I can put my faith in you and follow you. If you are real, show, show, myself, you know, show yourself to me so that I can trust you. Jesus responds in no uncertain terms from verse 12 and says, and he sighed deeply in his spirit and said, why does this generation seek a sign? Truly I say to you, no sign will be given to this generation. And he left them got into the boat and went to the other side. Essentially, Jesus is saying here, signs do not lead to faith. We read in Hebrews chapter 11 before, up there again, that now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the convictions of things not seen. Signs cannot lead to faith. The rest of Hebrews chapter 11 is a massive list that is commonly known as the heroes of the faith. It's not called the heroes of the guys who asked God for a sign and then he gave it to them and then they did what God had asked. Heroes of the faith. People who heard God and just obeyed without seeing. Showed faith and stepped out regardless of what potentially could be the outcome. We don't read about Noah waiting until it starts to rain before he builds the ark. We don't read about Abraham bringing someone else with him to sacrifice first just in case God got it wrong and didn't really want him to sacrifice Isaac. We don't hear of Joshua and all the Israelites just giving out a little bit of a cry just to see if the walls start to fall and then giving it all they've got. We don't read about Shadrach telling King Nebuchadnezzar to chuck his other two mates in first to see if God's going to save them and then he'd be happy to jump in afterwards. All these guys stepped out in faith. The faith part has to come first. As Jesus is telling us here, that signs don't lead to faith. We cannot have an infomercial type faith where we want to see God do things and then we'll believe him. Jesus is asking us to have faith where we step out and believe first. And when we do that, that's when we see God at work. That's when we see God do awesome things. That's when we see Noah and his family being miraculously saved by the ark. That's where we see God stepping in and saving Isaac at the last second and providing an alternate sacrifice. 
That's where we see the walls of Jericho come crashing down. That's where we see the three blokes with unpronounceable names being saved from the fiery furnace. It's because they stepped out in faith first that they then saw God at work. Are you willing to step out in faith? Is God asking you to do something that you're not sure of? But are you willing, despite that, to step out in faith? Because it's when you step out in faith, then you're able to see God at work. It's awesome that we have countless stories in here, all the way through Hebrews 11, of times when people stepped out in faith and then saw God do awesome things. I'm sure that you guys have awesome stories of times when you stepped out in faith and through your faith, God did awesome things. Uh, I remember um, it was a couple of youth services ago. We've had some youth services over the last couple of years and I was preparing my message and God clearly said to me, at the end of your message, you are going to make like, you know, you're going to ask people to respond to what you've said. Now, I have to confess, my initial reaction was... (laughs) Like, really, God? I've sort of done that in the past, and, you know, no one sort of responded. I don't want to stand up here and make some, you know, ask people to respond and then just look like a fool because no one actually does anything. And I battled with God for a couple of days over this, you know, and he kept saying, no, 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 I'm God. At the end of your message, I want you to ask people to respond. So youth service came, and even up to the youth service, I was like, really, God? You know, even during my message, I reckon I was still battling with God, and at the end of it, I went, okay, you're God. And I asked people to respond, and pff, all these people responded. And I couldn't help but like, be like, well, I'm no one special. And I'm sure all the people in the Bible who sort of stepped out in faith would say, they're no one special. They were just people who stepped out in faith and God did awesome things. You know, I'm not saying that I'm awesome. I just trusted in God and I did what he wanted me to do. And as a result of that, he, for some reason, decided that that was the night that he was going to, through his Holy Spirit, change people's lives. I could have easily said no. And yes, God's God and he could have done whatever he wanted to do. Uh, But he chose that night and, you know... I just put myself in a position where I was happy to sort of step out in faith. Well, not really happy, I eventually did. But, you know, and God used that. I'm sure that you guys have got awesome stories too of when you have stepped out in faith, not knowing what's going to happen. But then as a result of that, you've stepped out and actually seen God do awesome things. As Dale said earlier, tonight's service is going to be a bit different. Um, The message is a lot sooner. And rather than just rhetorically answer that question, I'm actually going to give you guys an opportunity to respond. And we're actually going to have a microphone sort of run around. I'm actually going to give you guys an opportunity to share some of the times when you have stepped out in faith and then as a result of that, that you've seen awesome things. I don't think it's a mistake that we have all of these stories in the Bible because I think that if we actually share the times we have stepped out in faith, that actually encourages other people to say, oh, hey, that person's like me and they stepped out in faith and God did awesome things. You know, I can step out in faith too. So I encourage you, if you've thought of something, 
that um, share your stories. How has God proven himself to be faithful? How, where are the times that you've had to step out in faith and then God's done awesome things? Sorry, I'll start because my heart's pounding out of my chest, so I might as well just get it over with. Um, a little bit ago, like year 12, is that only a little bit? Um, I was in an economics lesson, and I don't even know why this came up in conversation, but the teacher was asking us to go around the class just talking about our future predictions of our nation, our world, what we thought was going to happen in the future. And I, don't, I guess it had an economic basis, I don't know. Um, but I just had that feeling, like my heart beating out of my chest. You know when the Holy Spirit does that sometimes? You just know you have to say something. And, and what was laid on my heart and my mind was just say what you believe, just say what you believe. You know what's going to happen in the future, to a degree. So say what you believe. And I, mean, I felt sick as it came to my turn and... Um, so what ended up coming out of my mouth was rather cryptic. Um, I said, well, due to my beliefs, I don't think we have too much more than about 20 years left on this earth. And the teacher went, okay, next. <laughs> um, and that was the end of that. And I sat down and thought that through and went, okay, that could have gone so much better. There are so many other things that I could have said. And I apologise to God for, yeah, Lazy words was what I kind of figured. But um, what was interesting was that there were five of us from economics that then went on to the same biology class, and that was the very next lesson. Um, biology that day, our teacher was away, and there was no relief teacher coming and filling in, so we just had, you know, those lessons where you just get to chat sometimes. Yeah. Um, and I sat there still thinking through, feeling like an idiot about what I said, when three of those others, of the other four, came over and went, okay, so what's the deal? What do you believe? What do you think's happening in the next 20 years or so? And I had the opportunity to talk about Jesus' return and that I really don't know when it's going to be, but the signs are showing that it's going to be coming soon. And, um, and he is coming back and we need to be ready. To the point even where one of the boys was asking, so my mum believes in God, is she alright? And I had the opportunity to talk about the scripture that says, yeah, even the demons believe in God and shudder. And how, um, faith in God is so much more. And so, yeah, it was just really, really interesting to see God take some cryptic nonsense almost that came out of my mouth and how he would then use that. Cool. Thank you. It's so long ago now that I've practically forgotten the year. Right back after I came out of the army, I took a job drafting in Cook and Kerrison Architect. And while I was in the middle of that in a three-year drafting expedition, trying to draft and so forth, God said, will you forsake all and follow me? And I did. And became a minister of the gospel. Thank you. Thanks. I've shared some of this with some people over the years, but um, back in about 1976, around about there, um, I'd, 
I'd been for a few years um, helping with Interschool Christian Fellowship, which is kind of was a scripture union thing in the school, Pine Rivers High School, uh, from 71. And uh, at 76, I had this sense that God was saying, it's time to extend that and, uh, and to go into doing RE. Now, before I even met my wife, I believed that that was where God wanted me at some stage. It didn't happen for years, and, and then around that time, it, uh, the, the opportunity opened up. We took God at his word and, and did that. I expanded that gradually over a few years till at one stage in, uh, we, we were doing, going into six different schools uh, doing RE. Um, at one stage it was alternate weeks. I was going out to Daybury, which made the sixth school. Um, and there was two high schools, Dacobin and Pine Rivers, special school, uh, Somerset Hills State School and, uh, and Daybury. Um, is that right? That, that must be where else? Anyway, there was there were six six schools, and over a period of sixteen years, um, God totally took care of us. Now, I don't know, and I guess I'll probably never know while down here, just what sort of impact that had. But I was doing fourteen lessons one week, eleven the other. We never ever had a church that backed us um, we, we never went hungry uh, we were down at times to you know a little bit of rice in the cupboard I can remember giving thanks one morning for breakfast and the kids that was all we had just rice and rice and milk and they went off to school and by the time they'd got back God had restocked our our pantry um, yeah just just the faithfulness of God um, it, it was it's been absolutely amazing during that time we had people stay with us who simply couldn't afford to pay their way uh, God met every need and, and he always has and, and uh, it wasn't until well, from 76 to no, end of 91 uh, start of '92, I actually started to extend my uh, my f- physical employment again, to uh, to yeah move and moved out of that almost full time in uh, in gospel work. Mm. But I just want to I just wanted to say that God is as good as His word. He is absolutely faithful. He looked after all of us. None of us ever went hungry. None of us ever needed for anything, really. I mean, we could have had a lot more, but, um, but we didn't need it. Mm. Okay, thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Um, mine, was for, mine was just a couple of months ago, actually. Um, back at the beginning of July, I got back from a trip to Perth and started hunting for a job, uh, so I went 
uh, gathered up my resumes and uh, went walking to all my favourite places first, handed them, uh, you know, because everyone has a place that they really want to work, so I handed mine in at the cinema and all the cool places and couldn't get a job anywhere. Uh, so I went, I'm like, okay, so I wasn't meant to have a job there. So I was literally walking through North Lake, North Lake Shopping Centre, handing out resumes to all these different places, uh, going, oh, that'd be a cool place to work. Yep, couldn't get a job there either. Uh, just no one was getting back to me. And um, while I was sitting down one night, just wondering, what am I going to do next? Dad found a job uh, at the before and after school care, just at school across the road. Um, which, when I heard about it, childcare didn't at first appeal to me. Um, I don't know why, it just wasn't what I wanted to do. So I avoided applying for the position. Um, kept waiting, couldn't get a job anywhere. Um, no one was getting back to me, so I'm like, okay, yeah, I might just have to submit my resume. Maybe they won't get back to me either. That's okay. So I submitted my resume. Uh, the next day, I got a call saying that they wanted an interview. So I went for the interview two days later, and they gave me the job on the spot. Uh, so I was a bit confused as to why, but I went along with it, and then uh, probably about a month later, uh, once the kids had gotten to know me a bit, I had one of the Year 7s actually sit down with his guitar, and uh, I shared some of my very, very limited knowledge of the guitar with him. Um, we started off with that, just playing the guitar together. Uh, then he asked, because he saw the cross around my neck, and he asked if I was a Christian. Uh, I said yes, and then he started asking about all these questions that he had about God and Jesus and church, because he'd been to a couple of churches but just didn't get it. Um, we probably spent about half an hour just sitting there talking about God and church and what it was all about, um, helping him understand it. I was able to invite him to youth group, um, tell him what it was all about, and just, yeah, share, I don't know, just clear some of his confusion about church and um, sort of get into his head that it wasn't, that it isn't like a mysterious, mystical place that, you know, all these people come and worship spirits, that, you know, that we're worshipping a real God. Um, and he went away so much happier, just really, really interested in becoming a Christian. Um, I mean, that job only lasted two months, so I haven't heard from him since, but uh, I, I left knowing that God was going to do something in his life and that I, you know, just having that half an hour conversation had really made a difference. So, yeah. Cool. Thank you. Um, my, ours is, oh, I'll share ours. Uh, it's kind of ongoing. It's, so it's not, I haven't had the the final outcome yet but like a lot of you know that um, Ian started his own business last May-ish and um, and you don't get a whole lot of return in the beginning of starting a business and uh, so we we had some savings that we knew we were safe to pay for all our bills. We have a car loan and a house loan like most families do and um, anyway um, God had a good amount of savings there. He'd, he'd blessed us previously that we were able to put extra money aside in our home loan. So that was good. We, we knew we were good for, for 12 months. And um, anyway, the 12 months came and went and still no income. And that money, I just watched it like, there's my Canada fund. I'm not going to Canada one day. But God, you know, he paid the mortgage and the, the car repayment month after month that money was there and, and paid. And yes, eventually it 
started to run out and we were, well, I was worrying, like that's, that's me for fleetingly because deep down I know it doesn't matter. It's not our car. It's not our house. If God doesn't want us to have it, we won't have it. And, and I am mostly okay with that. And so we just kept praying and, and then, you know, out of nowhere came a, a big Centrelink payment and, um, and, a, a, another, a lump sum of money and and so God provided us in in one hit another twelve months of um, of house and car payments and you know in that time we were able to bless uh, another family who needed uh, some help for a short amount of time and so we were able to share the blessing that we were given and which we never would have been able to do before that but He provided the money not only for us for you know the next twelve months but also for another family to be able to. Um, get what they needed and and you know here we are 18 months now and we've still got enough money there to to pay for a little while longer and I have no doubt that God will continue to bless us um, by paying those uh, house payments and car payments if that's his choice if we're not to keep the house well I mean you know that's his choice but he's led us into this business I know that he will bless us in that but so while we don't have this big outcome yet in 18 months we've never missed a house payment never missed a car payment never gotten that only once have we gotten the phone call from the bank because I actually forgot to transfer the money but it's not the money was always there. We've always had food on the table. We've, you know, he's never skipped a beat. He's always proved his faithfulness over and over. Even though he doesn't have to, he has. And, and I have no doubt that that will continue because in all my years of being a Christian, he's never let me down once. And so, yeah, I don't have the outcome, but I do have the last 18 months of proof. Yeah, cool. Thank you. I'll stand up with it, I'm not facing backwards. It's going back a few years ago now, but I used to work for the, what was it called, before the Morton Shire Council, Pine Rivers, I <laughs> can't even remember the name of the place. I used to work for the Pine Rivers Council and I was working there in the drafting branch. But my experience had been um, in building roads and all that sort of thing and I was just sort of stuck in the drafting office. Yeah, on the side I was sort of working up... Uh, drawing house plans and things like that and that was sort of building up on the side and I was having to work RDOs, weekends, nights to try and keep everything up to date. And I was wondering whether I should, and I'd been praying about it, whether I should uh, move out into business by myself. Anyway, this great job came up at the council. I had all the qualifications. I'd built roads everywhere, you know. I thought, now, I'm, I'm a sitter for this job. So I said to some of you know Brett Cornford. Anyway, he was the fellow that invited me along to church here in 1991. Anyway, um, I said to Brett, well, I've been praying about this. So I said, I'm praying for a real obvious answer from God. A sign. A sign from God. <laughs> anyway, uh, well, the sign I got was uh, I applied for this job. I came home one day and there was a letter there saying I'd, uh, I'd missed out. No interview, no nothing, you know. Didn't even ask me a question about anything that I'd done. And I was, I was really angry. And Brett said, you asked God for a definite answer. You've got a definite answer. How many more definite do you want to be? 
And when I thought about it, I got exactly what I prayed for, but I didn't, uh, I didn't like the answer. Anyway, so I did leave. But I did do say to you know, Ian and Rochelle, working for yourself, you have to depend on God. You haven't got an income that comes in week after week after week. You've got to sit down and you've got to really trust that God will provide all your needs. I'll just tell you a little story, but Faye had a little part-time job. She used to make as much on her part-time job as I'd made on my sort of full-time job. Anyway, she was going off to, uh, to do her part-time job this day, <coughs> and she said, oh, have you got much work to go on with? And I said, oh, I've got a couple of hours, but um, God will provide for us. So anyway, morning tea is when I used to have my quiet time. I'd sit down next to the swimming pool and was surrounded by God's beautiful creation. Just found it easier to talk to God that's like that when you look at the beauty around you. Anyway, I, I said to God, I said, I know that you'll provide for me. But if you could just provide something for... This makes me a bit teary. <laughs> if you just provide something for faith, just to, her faith wasn't quite as positive, as strong as mine was then. And so I just prayed about it. You know, by lunchtime I had two weeks' work. She never asked me again. So it was a turning point for her as well as me. Well, we're on a coxed run. (laughs) Um, I've been sitting here battling with myself the entire time whether to actually say something or not, but I will. Um, I haven't got the... uh, I at this point cannot see the um, God working through me stepping out in faith, but I am about to step out in faith. Um, Three weeks from today I'll be landing in Cambodia for a mission trip with my school. Um, Definitely something that is a huge step out of my comfort zone. Um, Never been on a plane before, let alone a third world country. Um, So, yes, it's going to be a huge step of faith for me, um, but I am very much encouraged by some of the stories here tonight that God will work through that. I'm sure that that's only just sort of scratching the surface of some of the things that God's done in our life. Um, I just want to close by encouraging us, let's this week not have infomercial faith. Let's let's go out this week remembering some of these stories, remembering, go home and read through Hebrews 11. Remember that God is a faithful God, that he asks us to do some way out there things, but he promises that he will never leave us or forsake us. So let's go out this week and have faith where we believe and then see God at work. And when we see God at work, let's make sure we come back and share that with other people so that that can, encourage, that, that can then encourage them to also step out in faith. Let's pray. Dear God, we thank you for tonight. Uh, we thank you. It's a short passage we've looked at, Lord, but uh, we just thank you that you, know, you call us to have a faith uh, where you want us to step out, uh, not always knowing what's going to happen. But Lord, we thank you that you promise that you will not leave us or forsake us. Uh, help us this week, Lord, to have 
the faith that you want for us to, you know, when you call us to do things, help us have the faith to step out there and then also help us to have the eyes to be able to see how you've worked in those situations. Lord, we know that we don't always get it right. Um, we know that we mess up. We know that that's why Jesus had to come. Lord, we thank you for his sacrifice that we can have our relationship with you restored. Forgive us for those times when you have prompted us to step out in faith and we haven't done it. Uh, those times where you know, we haven't had that faith that you call for. Forgive us for those times, Lord. Help us to learn from that. Encourage us. Help us to be encouraged by the stories that we hear of other people who've stepped out in faith. And help us this week to go and do what it is that you've called us to do. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.